0: Hello, and welcome to Down with the Patriarchy. I'm Ben Richards.
1: And I'm Elia Jehu. He's as white and male as they come.
0: And she, well, she isn't. But together, we're hoping to have a look through some of those composers that we don't know so well and trying to work out whether we should know them better.
1: Exactly. So today, Ben and I will be talking about Florence Price, who is an amazing black composer who was around in the earliest 20th century, and she's just not known as well as I think she should be. I am actually really interested in Florence Price, because in my first year of uni, we looked at her a bit in one of our modules about arguing in music, and I just found her fascinating. She's written some amazing compositions, some brilliant symphonies, and some amazing, not rhapsodies, but fantasies for the piano that are just so hauntingly beautiful. And she incorporates African-American spirituals into her work, and ones that she hasn't incorporated, she kind of makes up her own. First, I'm just going to talk to you a little bit about who she is and what she did, if that's all right with you, Ben?
0: You fire away, Ellie.
1: Good. So, Florence Price was born in Little Rock, which is a little town in Arkansas. She had a mother who was a music teacher who insisted upon teaching all three of her children piano. And I'm sure it will come as absolutely no surprise to you that Florence was the one who stood out from a very young age. Her first performance was at the age of four. So if you want to call her a kind of mini Mozart, then go for it. She got started early. And I think that probably really spearheaded her future career, because the earlier you start, the better you get quicker, you know. So we'll skip forward a few years from the age of four. And she graduated from her high school as valedictorian. So she was a clever girl too. One of those people who just seems to be good at everything, I think. And by the time she left high school, she was already a published composer. She was doing so well in composing and all that kind of stuff. That her mum really encouraged her to pursue music at a higher level. So she went to study at the New England Conservatory, where she majored in organ and piano. Again, she graduated with honours, and within just four years of graduating, she was appointed the head of music at Clark Atlanta University. Imagine you graduate next year, and all of a sudden you're running the music department at a school that would be that's
0: pretty it's pretty impressive like, pretty
1: impressive I think you've got to be someone special to do that well that quickly
0: or be a man and know lots of people who can just oh, give you a job even if you're not sufficiently qualified
1: that um, just about right too
0: <laughs> we can be fairly we can be fairly confident though that given her social standing that that was certainly not the case so exactly. it's all more aggressive
1: classical music is well known as being made by and for straight white men and the more elite people in society and as a black woman who came from. From a little town in Arkansas, she absolutely was not one of those people. But we'll get back to her life story. She fell in love with a Mr. Thomas Price and got married in 1912. And she had two daughters. So she had Florence II and Edith, who was the first, I suppose. Together as a family, they all moved back to Little Rock, back to Arkansas. And I don't know how much you know about the history of Arkansas, but the late 1800s was not a great time for any black family in America. And even in the 20th century, when they moved back there, it was really not secure. It was pretty unsafe and you didn't really know what was coming around the corner. Violence against black people was scarily common. And... After John Carter was lynched near Thomas Price's workplace, the family decided to flee Arkansas because obviously you don't want your kids growing up around that kind of thing. It's not ideal. Imagine how scary it would be just thinking that could be me or that could be my little girl.
0: Yeah, so, and knowing that the reason the reason why they were killed is the exact reason that you would be killed as well. Exactly. Of your, your race.
1: There's nothing that you can do to change that and they should never be in that situation anyway. They fled Arkansas and moved to Chicago in 1927. It was around that time that she started pulling things out of the bag. She was suddenly winning awards for some of her art songs. One of her most beautiful ones, I'm going to call it, is called To My Little Son, which is about her stillborn son who tragically died as she was giving birth to him. She used a text by Julia Johnson Davis, and I'm just going to read you a little bit of that. In your face I sometimes see shadowings of the man-to-be, and eager dream of what my son shall be in twenty years and one. When you are to manhood grown, and all your manhood ways are known, then shall I wistful try to trace the child you once were in your face. If you fancy hearing the actual music, if you're listening on Spotify, I'm going to try and play this in the background now. You might not be able to hear it if you're not listening on Spotify. But there is a fantastic recording by Harriet Wingreen, which I would really recommend that you go and listen to because the text is great, yeah, but Florence's music just really makes this phenomenal. It's floaty and it's oozy and it's so romantic, and you can just hear the pain that she was putting into it without obviously trying to assume anything because I don't know if she was trying to put pain into it, but that's what it sounds like. But anyway, we'll get back to her biography. We'll skip forward a few more years and we find out now that Florence had been the victim of domestic abuse. Florence and Thomas decided to divorce in 1931. Now, it's it's kind of obvious to all of us who are musicians, I'm sure Ben you'll agree. It's not a stable income. You do No, music, it's
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, you do music because you love it. It's not the kind of thing that you go into thinking I'm going to be rich, I'm going to be famous, I'm going to have a lot of money. It is a risk and Florence knew that. But Having a husband who was in a stable office job like Thomas was meant that she was able to live a lot more stably. So suddenly after the divorce, she was really struggling financially. So she moved in with one of her pupils, who was called Margaret Bonds. She started composing radio jingles, and she was playing the organ for silent films just to make ends meet, because she just needed to support her children. But things changed when they entered the Wanamaker Foundation Awards. So the pair of them both entered. Margaret Bonds won first prize in the art song category, and Florence Price won first prize for her Symphony in E minor, which I'm not sure if you've heard, but is pretty good. Um, And she won third prize for her piano sonata. They won, well, no, they didn't both. Florence won a £500 cash prize, which in the early 20th century was a lot of money. But That is was a hell of a lot of money, actually. It was a hell of a lot of money. But as I said earlier, the most important thing for these composers was not the money. The most important thing was that her work was going to be performed by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. So that was going to make her the first African-American woman ever to have had her work performed by a major symphony orchestra. Suddenly, this woman has gone from a pretty bad marriage, living in a pretty bad area where she was often fearing for her life because they knew that things weren't so great for people of color and now she's just won the most amazing prize that she could possibly have won and the chicago symphony orchestra even 100 years later is a strong orchestra they are well known for some of their amazing recordings yeah
0: so well they're, back- they're one of the they're one of the big 5 in america really are
1: yeah they? 100% yeah so back then that that was just one of the most amazing things that could ever happen they didn't have spotify people weren't able to kind of just listen to any orchestra around the world so In Chicago, that was the absolute creme de la creme. That was the orchestra. And she was just suddenly thrust into the limelight. And I think over the last 100 years, she has been getting much more recognition. There was this amazing recording I was listening to a few days ago that was labelled, I think, 1962. So that was the earliest recording I could find, which was Lee, I don't want to say it wrong, Leontine Price as she sang an amazing version of My Soul's Been Anchored in the Lord. But we'll get onto some of the recording chat later. But she's just had an amazing life, an amazing career, and she just got the most out of it. And from then, she's just been getting more and more well-known. So, yeah, that's Florence Price.
0: It's quite interesting, actually, that we're talking about Florence Price today, because I just realised that she was composed of The Week on Radio 3 last week.
1: Was she?
0: Yeah, she was. Oh, that's um, amazing. So, you know, it, it, it's it, it's a it's a fascinating story, isn't it? And it's 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 one that's. I think, I think one of the things that um, that I've certainly noticed when when we've been looking at these composers is that it's a it's a story full of pain and and suffering.
1: Absolutely, these people did not have it easy.
0: No, and it's but it's not the sort of it's not the sort of pain and the the pain and suffering is different to the pain and suffering of of many male composers I think we 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 idealize this notion of the struggling composer don't we
1: oh definitely Um, the tortured soul all artists have to have some kind of backstory I mean you still see it in X Factor the people who are the most successful seem to come from the harshest backgrounds
0: yeah but but this is I mean I think not not to take away from the tragedy of many, you know, m- many, many male composers who suffered early deaths and repressed homosexuality in the case of people like Tchaikovsky and possibly mm-hmm. Elgar. But but what we see here is somebody for whom her, you know, her struggle was clear for everyone to see because of the fact that it was her skin color that prevented and her sex preventing her from being the person that and, and being as successful as, you know, we could argue that she deserves to be. But yeah, let, let's talk about some of her music and let's, let's get into what we feel about that and why we yeah. think that we should maybe give her another look.
1: Yeah, a... so I've been having a think really about why, other than her skin colour and her sex, why mm. this isn't a composer who is more mainstream. Because if you listen to any of her orchestral work, it's quite easy to draw parallels between her and Borja, Leroy Anderson, Erin Copeland. And the kind of instant conclusion that I came to was that we are snobs. The classical music world, we know what we like, we listen to what we like, and once we've found it, we're like, this is the best. I don't need to listen to anything else. And I absolutely am guilty of that, and I'm sure you are too. Yeah. I know I can't listen to any other recordings of Brahms' Guy Lickers lead other than Tenebrae's because it's just <laughs> my favourite thing. And I'm not going to go out there and search for other recordings when I found my favourite one. So for people who are diehard, Copeland fans, people who love Gorzak, why are they going to go out and try and find what they would deem to be the next best thing? It's not saying it is the next best thing, because I think in some cases... Lawrence Price does a pretty good job of smashing
0: them, but I think I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I think I think if you want Dvorak, you go to Dvorak. I think the nice thing about Price's music is that that it, it offers something wildly different, you know. Particularly, I think the interesting the comparisons with Dvorak are, are fairly valid because obviously Dvorak was heavily influenced by the new world we know and was, um, and so obviously had an American fascination within him and but- it
1: kind of influences.
0: Yeah. But with with Florence Price, it feels much more grounded, much more present because it's her lived experience. And so you don't get you get flashes of of European style romanticism. But I mean, I feel that actually she's at her best when she's incorporating the music of her own culture. And that's not necessarily just, you know, African-American spirituals, but just the general sound of America the sound of uh, particularly the sound of rural america rather than the really sound of the coasts
1: yeah I'd, I'd have to agree i can't remember who it was but there's a brilliant album of old piano music where the performer has basically just compiled a list of all the amazing composers from arkansas mm. and The kind of parallels that you can draw between each of the composers is just so interesting because they've all come from the same place and they would have all had vastly different experiences. You would have some like Florence Price, who are black women and being really oppressed in what they can and can't do musically. And then you've got those who are flourishing and thriving. But at the end of the day, they're all coming from the same physical location. So yeah. there is a kind of strand between all of the music and you kind of can't put your finger on it, but when you realize that it's all music from the exact same place, you just kind of go I understand, which I love. I think that's so interesting.
0: Yeah. what what do you want to look at first?
1: So I love, I'm gonna absolutely butcher the French right now, but I'm going to pronounce it as fantasy negre, which I'm assuming means Negro fantasy. I'm going to give that a
0: solid seven and a half on the French. Oh,
1: there. thank you very much. My I beautiful f- French teacher would be proud.
0: I feel I feel like our French is going to become a running theme for this for this podcast because there's some amazing. there's some French coming up next week that's that I have to pronounce. So yeah.
1: <laughs> this is a first episode disclaimer that we cannot speak any other languages. Yes. <laughs> I I absolutely love this fantasy négre. That was really bad. There. Are- four pieces for piano. And the first one is in E minor. And all of them have this same theme of being based around spirituals. Mm. And whilst number one is based on an actual spiritual, in the others, she incorporates pre-existing kind of African American folk tunes, but also invents her own, which I think is really interesting. Obviously, when thinking about spirituals, they came from the people. So they were work songs that these usually slaves would be singing while they were forced into work. And their biggest escape was through music. So it kind of feels a bit weird to go, she came up with her own folk song. But then again, you think she was being oppressed and she wasn't a slave, but she was still living in this era where it wasn't okay to be black. So she's built up her own little folk songs, and she's based this entire set of piano fantasies all around these haunting folk melodies. And I would really recommend giving them a listen. There are recordings of number two and number four. Number three and number one are harder to find, but they're all on Spotify. I would definitely recommend giving them a listen.
0: I think the the wonderful thing about them as well is is the this idea it seems that no one else has had there might be other people out there but the idea of why don't we set these workers songs in in an almost sort of european art tradition and with with all the sort of romantic flourishes that come with listian chopin style piano playing and and it's an interesting almost sort of cultural and stylistic mashup that goes on in these pieces because you get them i don't i don't think sort of tarted up beyond all recognition but you get them presented in, in a way that they would never have been recognized by the people that sang them but i think in doing that what florence price is demonstrating is the versatility of these melodies 100%. Um, yeah and just showing that these pieces of music can be the inspiration for so much more than than them at the beginning but they have to be at the centre of that and, and that demonstrates the sort of longevity and the integrity of them as pieces of music why we should probably pay more attention to them and actually you know pay more attention to them as opposed to just singing arrangements of them which is something that both you and I have had experience of doing.
1: Yeah absolutely I mean we were saying earlier that we're so used to singing works by Tippett and Elaine or Alan, I cannot exactly remember how we to can't even do English name.
0: words that learn French so
1: oh gosh absolutely not but for lack of a better word these composers are whitewashing this black music so they've they've gone and made these incredible arrangements I will never knock them because I think they are some brilliant pieces of music but I just think we really need to remember where they came from and that is from the hearts of these African-Americans who were tortured and came from a really difficult place so when you've got someone like Florence Price who is kind of experiencing that She's going to provide a really interesting and unique point of view. And in this, most of her pieces, actually, I'm not even going to narrow it down. She's incorporated these rituals and stopped them from just being arrangements and transformed them into entire sonata-like works. She did... Uh, in one of her fantasies, she used the song, My Soul's Been Anchored in the Lord. And she also did a version for Voice and Piano, which this amazing soprano, Leontine Price, sung in 1962. And there are some amazing recordings of that, which I'd really recommend giving a listen.
0: It's, it's, fa- it's fascinating, isn't it? Because when you listen to the Tippet and the Elaine, you, you, it's quite clear that they're trying to place their arrangements in the in the vernacular of African American spirituals, and they're trying to obviously be as respectful and careful, I suppose, as, as possible. But uh, but what's interesting about these these set of fantasies is that Florence Price goes the other way, and and she goes yes, well. What happens absolutely. if we we combine? You know my my European discipline of um, music training with my cultural heritage and and sort of you know put them in a pot and then sort of make a magic spell and
1: yeah it's amazing
0: it's amazing stuff
1: it is it's you get these Chopin esque flourishes and these kind of Beethoven rhythms and all together with this African American folk melody and you just get this really weird but incredible combination that you just can't get from other yeah. composers. And especially not white think, male
0: But you know, <laughs> People forget that, that the arrangement of folk melodies is, is something that's so prevalent in classical music. I think it was Beethoven that wrote a set of variations on British folk tunes when he was working in, in the early uh, 19th century. And, and similarly, yeah, then you've got composers Ooh. like Vaughan Williams that are huge exponents of, <laughs> of the form. But we don't But we don't exactly. hear that that is still a very much a, a Eurocentric uh, way of looking at folk melodies. And and so it's really refreshing to hear this different take on 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 these spirituals.
1: I think we so commonly think of black music, and I put black in inverted commas, and spirituals as just kind of other. Yeah. We otherise them completely, where we stop them from being pieces of music in their own right. And we go, well, these are kind of black folk melodies, so they don't count as normal folk melodies. We have to put them under the subheading of spirituals. And I think we so frequently do that, that we stop thinking about them as just being music. And whereas composers like Vaughan Williams and Bartók can incorporate their own folk melodies seamlessly into their music and we think nothing of it. As soon as someone does that with African-American spirituals, it just, it's such an undone thing. People just haven't done it before, that it just becomes fascinating. And it brings this other music right into the forefront of our kind of whitewashed classical music bubble. And I think that's so yeah. important and so interesting. I think
0: one of, the, you, one of the questions you were asking earlier about, you know, why is it that we don't know Florence Price's music? And I think one of the things that I've noticed, and this I think we'll notice as a trend as we go through this this podcast, is that a lot of her music is, some of her music is, is quite heavy, but some of her music is quite lighthearted. And that is often an excuse for critics to pan music. And I'm particularly thinking about the fact that uh, in in her symphonies, I, I particularly in her first and fourth symphonies, she incorporates a juba dance in the third movement. Now, juba dance is, as far as I'm aware, uh, was, was brought mm-hmm. by Congan slaves to, to America during the slave trade. And uh, is is an African American style of dance with sort of stomping and slapping, and is, is 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 very rhythmic. And she takes again, like with the spirituals, she takes this. Form which is which finds it, its home on the plantations and then puts it in a symphony concert in a, in a, in a symphony in, a, in you know in a hall like uh, Birmingham Symphony mm. Hall or Royal Festival Hall in London or wherever you want to put it you know you're, you're taking this music which is this very down to earth you know of of slaves you know not even working class you know you're going well mm. well beyond that into into a completely abhorrent area of the human existence and elevating it to what we would presume to be a white pedestal, you know, in terms of where, where this music is being performed. And it's fascinating that, that, that she does that because you, you think, oh, why, why is she doing that? But then you think, well, why, why does every white um, romantic composer, you know, use, use a scherzo in the third movement? You know, it's, 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 only, exactly. it's only the same, isn't it? It's, it's just her, her tradition. Uh, version of that of it's, that kind of sort of discourse isn't it really
1: exactly it's it's just it's completely revolutioning up, uh, revolutionizing the <laughs> <laughs> um, her own she's kind of just putting her own mark on a yeah. symphony which has been exactly this kind of it's like a jelly mold isn't it it's 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 been kept in this mold yeah. for centuries and she's just gone actually why do we have to do it the way that these white men yeah. have said we do can't I'll do it my way and she can and she has and i think the fact that it's her second most popular one on spotify yes. says plenty
0: yeah I think. I, it's i mean the thing is i mean if i'm being honest you know if you if you're looking for that style of european romantic music then this is not the right the right place to look for it and 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 i think that you know when when france price does turn to to that style in in moments of her symphonies i personally prefer the you know i personally prefer to listen to that music if it was written by torzak or tchaikovsky however she does have this astonishing grasp of melody and she has this ability to sort of capture the sense of both melancholy and also the sense of the great open sky and wide open plains of middle America. She has this ability to combine those two things. And I think, or was it earlier, I said sort of like Aaron Copeland and Randy Newman sort of put, put together, yeah. <laughs> um, but then but then added with this extra sort of additional layer of sort of the European romantic tradition kind of underpinning all of
1: it. I completely agree. I think if, if you're going to Florence Price to look for a kind of second version of Bojack. That's not what you're going to get from her. But you're going to get this really hauntingly beautiful versions of spirituals and she's done um, Negro folk, folk songs in Counterpoint, which is one of my favourite works by her, in which she kind of bark all of these amazing spirituals. You're going to get a completely alternative look at kind of Western classical music with a really beautiful african-american twist so if you're kind of looking for a really interesting hybrid version of the music that you're used to hearing with something completely different that we don't hear which is classical music by black composers then i think this is the woman for yeah, you
0: absolutely I think so. Are we gonna are we gonna swipe left or swipe right? You know, well, other um, dating apps are available. This is not sponsored by Tinder, <laughs> but this is now a cultural idiom, isn't it? Swiping left and swiping right. Exactly. So we can use it. So let me just remind. You, swiping right is good. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I
1: don't think either make, of us really do cap- dating apps. This is just a thing that i thought would appeal to people comes, of our generation but i'm not well, I'm learning that. It should come as a surprise is, to, awesome. to
0: listeners of this podcast um to the four of you who are listening um that you know that i'm not on tinder and ellie's not on tinder because she's done joined at the hip to somebody else um so <laughs> <laughs> we but we hope that swiping right is good and i would like to firmly swipe right on florence price because i i think so. I, I have to say i went into it thinking oh this is probably just going to be derivative for jack and i was surprised to find something it's, it's completely different. different so yeah i i i my yeah. my my prejudices were overturned and i'm very glad about that because i actually really enjoyed listening to her music and i'm going to listen to some more
1: good so Podcast One success, Yeah, do you absolutely.
0: Think? Go and listen to her right now. Do whatever you're doing.
1: Good. We'll put her on in the background as we leave. If you're listening on Spotify, I'm sure you'll be able to hear it. I'm not sure about anywhere else, but yeah. we'll find out.
0: Um, so that's all for this week. Um, next week, we're going to be looking at another female composer. This time from France. We're going to be looking at um, uh, Germaine Taillefer. I'm trying to understand why she is not as highly regarded as some of her French male counterparts.
1: yeah so thank you very much for taking the time to listen to us and ben thank you very much for taking the time to listen to me rant at you about this amazing black female composer it's been a a pleasure
0: i look forward to many more rants from you
1: (laughs) thanks everyone thank you very much see you next week see you next week bye